All right, what's up? Welcome to the K-Tip Podcast. Uh, this is our seventh one, right? Seven. Nice. And uh, yeah, so we got some things to talk about today. Uh, some some ideas about depression as a chemical imbalance and uh, anything else that comes up. So, Sounds great. Yeah, so you got something forward to it. something for us there. All right, so this is going to be a little um, lemon skunk and grape god bud. Grape god is like a good anchor bud that kind of mixes well with some of these different strains. Grape god. Grape god. Okay, like Dionysus. Mm-hmm. And grapes. <laughs> <laughs> the god of wine. That's right. God of wine. Yeah. Word. All right. All right. Well, how you guys doing? <laughs> <Good. laughs> Fantastic day. Nice. Do we want to start right on it, or we want to just like lean into it? Well, let's um, yeah, let's start right away. Let's talk about maybe some experiences that um, okay, we've had with depression. All right. Or lack of experiences uh, that we've had with depression. In your case, <laughs> zero. So how about that? Apparently have you? So. Do you think you've ever, like, been depressed? Nope. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been depressed, and I mm. I really have thought about this, um, actually, a lot in the past few days. I've had some really um, interesting events that have happened where. Um, you know, it, it challenges you, right? And I think perception is a big part of, you know, depression. Um, and we can certainly get into that later. But, you know, what I've been saying to people, and I stand by this, I cannot remember a day in my adult life. And, you know, I'm 49. So, I'll say in the past 20 to 25 years that I have been depressed. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you got all sorts of emotions and things like that. So maybe in high school? Or yeah, for sure, in or... high school. And, and I don't know if I can attribute anything to depression. It might have been like, oh, you know, the girl that you wanted to ask out didn't like you, and so you're oh, bummed or, you know, you're too, yeah. you know, like soft to ask a girl out that yeah. you really want to, and so you're bummed about that. Right. But, but then it's a little problem of definitions, too. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's what's important. I think that that's what this article kind of talks about in, mm. in some regards, too, is what is our interpretation of things. And mm. yeah. um, So I think that's important. But, again, in my adult life, I cannot remember a time being depressed. I cannot remember a time being, you know, bummed or even wanting the day to be over. Like... Man, I can't wait for this day to be over. It's so really you never feel horrible. that way. Uh, uh-uh. There was one time. Okay, there was one time one when time. I when I like remembers well, this. Well, yeah, I, the one time that I can really remember is um, I had to go to the stock show with some dude. Mm-hmm. Right? He mm-hmm. he was really sick, and he asked me to go, and that he didn't want to go and see any of the events that were going on, like the rodeos and stuff. So we're just kind of hanging out in the stock show with another one of his, you know, friends. And it, it sucked because I rode with them down there and I didn't really realize how, you know, far away from things you are when you go to, yeah. you know, where the stock show's held. 
So I was trapped there for a few hours, and after about an hour, it was pretty boring, right? So but are, you, it was, are you confusing boredom with... <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's where... You wanted like, it to end. I wanted that part to end. So that's yeah. the one that huh. really sticks out in my mind. And it was more because I was trapped than anything else. Because, yeah. you know, you at least... I you hate know, that too. We're, we're talking, this is probably 15 years ago, 20 mm. years ago. So downtown wasn't built up like it is now so you couldn't just walk out and there's the light rail and i can get back down into you know inglewood mm-hmm. or centennial or wherever right. you know i was at was uber a thing uber years? was not a thing <laughs> i've never no scooters no scooters around no scooters <laughs> no electric bike i don't even have an uber on my app or you know an yeah. app on my phone right yeah. so uh-huh. I, I think i'm so the you haven't one even taken advantage who's of who's never used uber. <laughs> right so uh so what do you attribute to the fact that you don't experience depression or whatever word you want to use, elongated sadness? Or... Well, I think in some regards it might even be um, a little dismissive because it's pretty simple for me. Now, granted, I've thought a lot about this over the past few days, and um, there's three factors that could be broken down into other categories, right? You know, you could, you could break them down further. Um, but the three factors that I've had that have kept me from being depressed, being bored, I can't remember a day that I've been bored. I'm I've the got, same way with boredom. Yeah. Maybe only when I'm trapped at a place. Yeah, maybe if you're yeah, trapped yeah, at a stock yeah. show and, you know, <laughs> I mean, this was back before, like, even well cell phones were out but you know what i'm saying they didn't have smartphones and you know you couldn't even like get online and look at shit (laughs) you know what i'm saying not that i do that anyway but i'm just saying like (laughs) maybe that would have been a uh, escape um so here here's what they are and i know it maybe sounds kind of simplistic and like oh that's too you know dismissive of real problems that people have but it goes way deeper than what I'm talking about. So number one, and this would probably be the lower of these top three things, right? If we had to put them in a uh, order would be, I've always had dogs. I've always Mm -hmm. had dogs. So besides my time in the military, I've never been a day without my dogs unless I'm traveling, you know, or doing something like mm-hmm. that. So you're saying they help you they, not be depressed. Man, they help <laughs> you. Emotional support animals. Yeah. <laughs> they really and are. And they legitimately they really are. You know, yeah. I, I believe dogs, you know, and I'm not a religious guy, but I believe God put dogs on this earth to mm. be people's companions. companions. And yeah. they are so perfect in right, every way so for perfect. that. They're kind of like a kid like that. Like they don't have corruption and... I mean, they still want to get the bone when you're not looking or right. whatever. But, you know what I mean? They're so, yeah, they, they don't lie to you. You know, They're happy yeah. to see you. I was thinking recently that they're, that Elon Musk phrase, um, limbically resonant. So he says, he says, like, like social media is, is limbically resonant, meaning whatever works with our limbic emotional system mm-hmm. is we're going to want to do that thing. Right. And so social media fits in that thing. Sure. And there was one day I was hanging out with my girl's dog and I had that thought. It's yeah. like they just fit perfectly. You know? They was, really do. Yeah. And I heard that um, this was some, you know, like anthropologists talking about this. 
and uh, they were saying that we would be, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years behind hmm. if we did not have dogs. For hunting. Yeah, just for development, uh, for social. Yeah. I mean, they protected us, right? right. They alerted you when it's like enemy they're, they're were around. Like, yeah, or... They're like an animal sense organ that mm-hmm. we've kind of lost. You know, we can't hear that well anymore. We don't right. smell that well anymore. Right. And so we have this thing that like does that stuff for us. Like right. External. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a technology in a way. Like yeah. it's just. And we, it's a partnership, right? I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah. a perfect partnership in nature where you know both humans serve dogs and dogs serve humans yeah. and so it's the sim, uh, symbiotic is that symbiotic, Symbi- yeah. symbiotic yeah. relationship yeah. that is mm-hmm. you know amazing so okay so that's number one that's number one, one. Yeah. and again I'm simplifying it. We can go way deep into just having a dog. We could make yeah, multiple sure. podcasts. This, this is, oh, yeah. This is <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually this, a similar point I was wanting to go to. Was I've been using that phrase from Verveke. He says uh, he's this like philosopher guy. We talked a little bit about him. He's he's on YouTube. He's he's cool. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, and he calls it an ecology of practices mm-hmm. that people just need in their life. And then because we're like cut off from tradition that we need the ecology of practices rather than this one practice because we've kind of, those things have disintegrated for us, like religion, for instance. Right. And so I, I have a similar thing. I, I have like a list mm-hmm. of like things that I use, you know. Right. But, but yeah, so similar thing. But go on. So one is dogs. Okay. Two, and again, this is, this can be broken down into multiple areas, but martial arts. Um Martial arts has always given me a purpose. Having a purpose, purpose, I break those down into sub-purposes. I work out to get better at martial arts. I snowboard to get better at martial arts. I mountain bike to get better at martial arts. So it opens up all of these other activities if you yeah. will um yeah. you know interesting i do i do that too like with art i feel like i need to be for instance like growing with what with learning like i'm good too like uh and that helps my art right yeah. i have to be reading I, I can't get stuck in the same thoughts i gotta expand i need those i need to have experiences yeah so that i have something to say Right, I can't just sit in the room and paint and expect that to be the only thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar thing again. Like the you know these other practices also reinforce another practice. Mm-hmm. And I guess with martial arts too, you're saying that because that one's so important to you, mm-hmm. and you want to get better at it, that you also do these things that are good for you just to get better at that. That thing inspires you to right. even do those other things. Well, to mountain bike. Well, yeah, and I think martial arts for me is the most important component. Um, it's not necessarily the most important component because it's number two in this order of getting there, of being in that place, right? But it's the most overall component because it can rescue you from not having dogs or what number three would be, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. It's malleable in the fact that it it will fit everything. There's nothing that I will do in my life that martial arts will not help help mm-hmm. or that help martial mm-hmm. arts. Okay. So then I've always got a purpose, and I've you know 
I tell students all the time, and I've been doing martial arts for 30 years now, uh, 32 years, that, you know, I've never plateaued. I've never had one day where I've plateaued. And I hear this from great, you know, martial artists all the time, how they plateaued at this point and how they, you know, plateaued at that point. Early on in my martial arts, um, I met a really unique instructor who I stayed with for a long time. Now, we did a lot more traditional jiu-jitsu, right, um, before I got heavily into the Brazilian, you know, jiu-jitsu. But what he was able to pass on to me that I think was more important than the actual, you know, fighting techniques was the way to look at things, right, and the perception that you have on something. So even when I tore out my ACL, MCL, LCL, and had a third of my posterior removed, uh, of the meniscus removed, I was teaching classes like literally right after my surgery with a full brace on, couldn't bend my leg in crutches, and we were doing all sorts of cool shit with the crutches, and uh, you know, everybody was really into it. I was the head instructor of the academy, so you know, for me, just getting back, right? Hmm. Man, you know, I was young, but I recovered quick. And so you look at that perception, whereas a lot of people would be bummed because they weren't training. It's kind of like the pandemic. When the pandemic started, I mean, I have not missed a day of training since the pandemic started. And then, you know, we were back training as a academy very quickly. Fuck you, COVID. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And here's the thing. We modified our training and everybody's jujitsu got better when we weren't even doing jujitsu. And then I see online all of these people who are jujitsu black belts even, how depressed they are because they can't do, do jujitsu. To me, jujitsu doesn't represent a style of martial arts. I've done Japanese jujitsu for a long time. I've done Brazilian jujitsu for a long time. Um, but to me, jujitsu and I think the way that the, the actual meaning is soft style, soft, you know, martial arts, soft method, pliable, gentle, so adaptable, right? Yeah. So those things are what's important. And so if you can only practice the style of jujitsu, then what do you do? You get depressed. Mm. But if you understand what jujitsu actually means... Yeah, then which is, it's yeah. like, I got a whole mm. bunch of things. My strikes get better. My footwork gets better. You know, mm. um, things that I can practice alone, things that I can practice with only one person, you know, yeah. until the whole right. academy opens. So it's like you've, you learn the, the highest principle in the thing as possible, right, at the top. And then at the bottom are all the particulars, mm -hmm. right? At the very bottom, it's even super specific, like a certain leg lock mm -hmm. or a certain... Uh, entrance on an attack or something. Um, so, so, so for you, as far as like the numbers, things that help with depression, mm -hmm. the reason martial arts is up there is because of that, that highest principle that you learn from it mm -hmm. that then exists in everything else. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So then in that regards, tough situations become you know, a match, so to speak, hmm. you, you can start to strategize to figure out how hmm. do I navigate this? How do I deal with hmm. what's happening right now? 
And then how do I get out of this? How do I get better? How do I use this to my advantage? How do I win? Right? Um, Mm -hmm. So when you have those things, man, how can you have a dull moment? It's like literally, it's very hard. And again, I don't, I've never had an experience with depression. So Mm -hmm. I can't empathize with somebody who gets hit with depression. You, you know, I just don't understand yeah, I, that. I, I was going to ask you about that. But I'm second, really but... good. Mm. This, this is the thing that it's hard for somebody who has had depression to empathize with somebody who's never had depression, right? And is it yeah. the way that I've done things that I was fortunate enough to learn or to pick up that have prevented me from having depression? Right. I don't know. And that's what we're going to get into mm. when we start to yeah, talk yeah, yeah. about you know, the, these the other chemistry things. chemistry and stuff. But, I, but one thing that, you know, I think is important is, you know, like luck, right? And that's not the third component. But luck mm. provides you those windows of opportunity sometimes. And I think we all have luck. Mm. I think a lot of times people so interpret the bad luck more so than the good luck, mm. right? Yeah. That they attach to that. I was thinking recently about you know, maybe some of the personalities, the people we know mm-hmm. in public, and that so much of it is just the luck that they just happen to be charismatic. Mm-hmm. They just happen to speak in such a way that people want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And how, how many lucky things have to go into that? Mm-hmm. Like your mom taught you this thing about, because she spoke this certain way mm-hmm. when you were like a baby. Right. And you know what I mean? And all the things that lead up to just mm-hmm. the, the makeup of who you are. And then that happens to fit in with whatever culture with someone who had, you know, that, that we would be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so in, in a way, it's almost like all luck, you know, like who, I mean, it's not yeah. all luck because we have a choice sure. and that's the main difference. And I think that that's right. like the interpreter, yeah. right? So then you interpret your luck. You, mm, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So you could interpret that's right. something that's happening to you as yeah. bad. And then all of a sudden, once you interpret it right. as bad, it just keeps going down. And so, and so here's, here's another thing. Like, so, so I wonder how much of the reason you're not depressed, just because mm-hmm. I know you decently, mm-hmm. um, is this natural optimism mm-hmm. that I don't know if that is a learned thing. So, so, mm-hmm. so that's another thing as far as like luck and the, the, what we've been given mm-hmm. As far as, you know, being uh, so and even as far as it being like, mm-hmm. I mean, a chemical thing. Sure. At least what that's hinting at, the chemical imbalance theory is that um, it's something internal that um, is is unique to your situation, mm-hmm. to your lucky, uh, your circumstance mm-hmm. um, in your brain even. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so so I wonder how much is just like a natural optimism that you have too, like. Mm-hmm. I do see that the martial arts could give you even every, you know, and that, that's what I was saying about having a, a system or mm-hmm. a structure or a, like a religious, mm-hmm. a religion, a, you know, however you want to put that, mm-hmm. a, a guiding structure that you can use to like see and interact with the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but also mm-hmm. having a dog yeah. teaches you like you have to take care of the, of your dog. You know, you have to take them out. Mm-hmm. You have to entertain them. You have to feed them. So it. At least if it's not for yourself first, you're doing it through that, and then you're learning that system. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at mm-hmm. that, though, as being lucky, right, yeah. as being positive luck, yeah. because you could, which a lot of people do, they're like, fuck, man, i got to take the dog out again. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it becomes that lucky thing that came into your life, that dog, is now, now bad luck, problem. right? It's now a problem. <laughs> it's now a negative. Yeah, yeah. So it comes out to that receiver, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. any situation I'm, then can be a positive or a negative, 
right? I mean, yeah. you know. And then we're back to whether, how you look at things, at, you know, optimism, right. you know, and how much of that can be trained or not. And I do think it can be. Well, and I think, though, um, this is something that builds optimism. And this goes back to um, the martial arts, right? Is that you've got a purpose. If you've got a purpose, at least martial arts are that for me. I know that a lot of people do martial arts and that's not their purpose. I get it. They use martial arts for right. another purpose. For me, martial arts is the purpose. But having a purpose, if you have a purpose and you have made the choice for that purpose, if that purpose has been imposed upon you, maybe it's different. I made a choice for martial arts. But then you've always got something positive to look forward to. And if you look at everything that you're doing, um, everything that you're doing, right, can, just like we were talking about luck, be positive or negative. So it can serve the purpose mm. or it can detract from the purpose. And a lot of it would be the exact same thing. It's mm. just your perception on it. So. If I could throw this in, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I've been thinking about this thing recently a lot. Uh -huh. I think it's maybe one of the most important things that I've at least focused on this year is this thing called the framing effect. Mm -hmm. So how you like frame the world, which is optimism or pessimism is a frame. Mm -hmm. um, like maybe I give like an, if there's like an easy example, I mean, I think about like the Covington kid. Mm -hmm. as one where at first they see the video i don't know if you remember the video and there's like a yeah. kid and there's like a, a indian guy like mm -hmm. and uh singing at him and the first interpretation was that the kid was like this asshole yeah right and it's because so like cameras literally frame the world uh -huh. so they tell you what is important mm -hmm. i think that's maybe a main part of framing yeah is it, maybe if we have like these two brains one brain is like the information and the, the facts of the matter. Mm -hmm. And then this other brain that says what's important and what I, what should I do about it with these mm -hmm. facts? Uh, what's the meaning of the information? And that's what the frame does. So then with the Covington kid, then we see like the bigger video, you zoom out a little bit and then you see this whole other situation, mm -hmm. right? And now it looks like the other person might've been the one more at fault in that the kid actually was maybe dealing with the situation. I don't know what happened in that specific thing, but just as an example of you, you change that frame and all of a sudden you change what a, a set of facts means. Right. Right. Uh, so, That's important. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I, I think, think it's really, it might be the main bias or in some way, one of the main ones mm -hmm. of how we, how we, I don't even know if it's how we misinterpret the world because it's the actual mechanism by which we, we interpret the world. That's how we do it, you know, mm -hmm. is, is by placing that frame. And I have a hard time, a harder time than you do, of naturally placing an optimistic frame on things. Like, I've learned something I have that helps me with my depression <laughs> is, like, that I, I just have... At some point, I just succumb to the fact that life's a challenge and a struggle. Right. And then that's just a part of it. And then I don't complain about it. I'm just like, this is what it is. Right. But that doesn't mean I see it as positively as you do because you're like you know uh you gotta have fun with it too because i'll talk about yeah. the, the pain of life and everything and having to deal with it and you're like oh but it's, you know i'm always enjoying myself you say right and so that's right. I but mean, i don't know how much i will i don't know I, I have a hard time living like that like being optimistic i have a hard time 
I think when I get around people, mm-hmm. though, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't look in the dumps or anything, sure. right? I think people is another thing on my set of practices that helps me not be depressed. It's right. just being around other people. Mm-hmm. I can feel like shit. And then as soon as I'm around someone, it's just it that, that stuff's gone. If they're, if they're a friend. Well, and if they're up. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. if you're around somebody who feels like <laughs> shit, too, you guys are both going to be in a that might shit be true. storm. Yeah, but you still you know? feel like there's someone else there. So just that I, yeah. presence yeah. D- kind of. Yeah, it might perpetuate. It See, I think it perpetuates because but, but like attracts like. Have, you would still rather be there than by yourself. Ooh, I don't know. This is what I would tell a lot of my friends. <laughs> no, this no, no, this is where I would like contradict a it. This person would rather be with somebody else than by themselves. Well, again, I think we have to look at how we would get in depressed. But, see, that's where you guys are going to... Add to that to help me understand, and I'm gonna try to help you guys understand with this. So number three, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say number three in this um, is where we come back to the luck thing, right? So how you sometimes look at something in a manner, and I was just lucky enough that this happened, and so I'll kind of lead into um, what I'm saying because this has been such an important component for me. And again, I think that a lot of people just aren't lucky enough to recognize when things like this happen. So Anna, Jack and Daniel, um, myself, we went uh, backpacking. What was that two years ago? Mm-hmm. So um, we're going backpacking and I'm riding with Daniel and Anna and Jack are riding together um, behind us in a different car. And so Daniel, I'm getting to know him, you know, pretty well by this point. But this was the first time that we spent a fair amount of time together in a vehicle, you know, just talking without somebody else around. And so he was asking me who the most important person in martial arts was, like the biggest influence for me. And you could tell he was thinking I was going to say, you know, because I've um, trained a little bit with Helson Gracie and, um, you know, some of the jujitsu guys or some of the older school jujitsu guys or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, my answer, and this is where I got really lucky, was meeting Aaron. OK. And Aaron was the single has been the single biggest influence in my martial arts. Right. Um, and I mean, she's legitimately gangster as fuck. Like she surprises me on so many things. But recently, um, just like, you know, showed me some, some really important elements. And I was lucky enough to meet her. Okay. And so Aaron kind of encompasses a couple things for me. One, you know, companionship. So we've been together for a long time. And certainly everybody has ups and downs and, and those kinds of things. But what I've had is kind of like what you were saying, you know, having just somebody there, right? Mm-hmm. But I had somebody there that was really positive and helped motivate me to get better at the things that I wanted to do. And so in that regards, I think purpose is more important than anything. But your community is what helps drive that purpose, right? And so... Yeah. You know, Erin's been a big part of my community. She's motivated me in a lot of ways. But again, she represents the community, right? Always being a part with, you know, a part of something. You know what I'm saying? Always yeah. being with someone or with a group. And she was with me in these groups. And um, 
I think that it's so important. I think this is so lacking in our society right now is having community, whether it's with one person or whether it's with, you know, 10 people or whether it's with a martial arts academy. You know, I think when you start houses, don't know our neighbors, talk to people on the computer. Right. Yeah. But I think it's got to be a tight nucleus. I don't think we can say community like my neighborhood. Right. Mm. I know four people in my neighborhood Mm. that I know them by names. I know Mm. a lot of people by faces. But yeah. that's not my community. community. Right. Yeah. People mm-hmm. that you can get deep with. And then going back to what you were saying, right, having somebody, I think that's a double-edged sword. Because what I see as an observer of people who are depressed um, and running into those problems is that I see a lot of times those people hanging out with people that are depressed and running into those problems. And this is where I think the luck for me is that Aaron was always a super upbeat, motivated, positive person. Hmm. So yeah. there was always that, you know, mm-hmm. component. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that have, that's where that luck, like that. <laughs> you know, comes yeah. in is that you meet somebody that you can recognize has that. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think like attracts like in a lot of regards. And when we can um, get ourselves around positive people mm-hmm. and a positive community influence again Mm. whether that's two people four people eight people you know a martial arts academy i think you excel and i think that they then having an academy you know i think we've gotten really close now that we've been training so much and when you came in we were probably fucking worlds apart (laughs) right i mean um but we build this community we build this bonding this friendship um we've been through some tough times backpacking, carrying heavy loads, just sucking wind, you know, because these guys like to push it. I'm always trying to take a break. I'm <laughs> always, like, trying to slow That's it down. Usually <laughs> <laughs> but, right, you, you get into these sucky environments, yeah. and, again, you can look down and be like, ah, oh, this fucking sucks. Or then you can look back at these guys who are sucking it the fuck up, you know, because I'm experienced at that, right? Mm. I, I'm used to carrying heavy loads, and these guys are – not complaining, just sucking it up, and you're like, fuck, this is badass. You start to have this positive energy influence around you, and it multiplies. So that's my, those are my, like, key ingredients. So three's relationships, community. Yeah. Yeah. To prevent yourself from being depressed. Yeah. All right, those those are three good ones. All right. Relationship you guys. and community. Yeah. You want to go? Um, well, yeah, I kind of want to say that it is, it's true that, you know, who you surround yourself with is very important. Um, but then, you know, that also shows that you can change, you know, you can be in control of what what you're experiencing and how you're experiencing that affects your perspective on things you know, your outlook on stuff. I definitely was a completely different person three years ago, Hmm. or even two, we could say. Have you been in here that long? I've been here two years now. Two years? Okay. But when I first came here, I was like, I don't know if I can commit to a one-year contract. (laughs) 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 Literally. (laughs) Um, So here I am two years later. Uh, So, yeah. And though... I mean, I don't even know if it was the commitment. And this is kind of how it was with both of you guys, right? Mm. But like 
when I, you know, when I met you, it was really quickly because, you know, I had the impression of you because, you know, knowing Emily and, um, right. yeah. you know, just, just an impression that you were this mm. quiet, you know, mm. like mm. just artistic-y, you know, like uh, introvert. <laughs> I mean, okay. That's that kind of, you. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. But, you know, like I didn't think you had any like real athleticism or anything like right. that. And remember, yeah. I kept on like, hey, dude, why don't you try this out? Right. Check it out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, But, you know, I kind of recognized something in you. And that was the same thing. You know, she came in with her sister. And mm-hmm. I think at that time, your sister looked way more athletic. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. you were a lot more, what I, this is my impression, like fucking Portland or Seattle hippie. <laughs> I, I did live in Seattle. Yeah. You did. So that's that's what I was, you know, like that's what my impression was, mm-hmm. right? Um, very maybe liberal and I'm not insulting, I'm just saying. <laughs> and, but I recognize something in working with you is right away. Is that what you gathered? Like the fr- without even talking with me, you're like this. I gathered that when like- I talked with you, right? So here, remember, I called somebody a pussy in front of you, and you. Is that no? That was not me. Did I call you a pussy? No. What did I say? I when this wasn't that long ago. This was like two years ago. This was right around the beginning. I mean, I thought what we happened? hit it off pretty good. I thought we kind of became pretty. Um, it was Open. like a constant progress, yeah, I would say. Yeah, but pretty early on. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you would have probably told me to buck off, right? <laughs> probably. So, yeah. But anyway, I saw kind of something in you, too, that would be like, oh, man, these guys would be really good. And um, I think that... I don't know where I was going with that. It was tying into... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because you were saying the the energy, right? Weren't we talking about like being with, you know, like-minded mm, mm, people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going back. Okay, so that's where we were at, right? Sorry, got pretty high there. For a but but I, I recognize you guys, in my mind, after I talked to you a little bit and pretty early on, of being like-minded individuals. Mm. You know, and I think because we're all pretty unique that makes us like-minded in a different connection. You know, we're all pretty different as far as... Um, specifics. Specifics. Yeah. But then we all kind of have some real similar, you know, yeah. things being... You being kind of the introvert, mm-hmm. you know, me being kind of how I am, and you mm-hmm. being how you kind of came in. And you I know, mean, I feel like I am more of an introvert anyway. But yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. I'm kind of an introvert, but I'm like a. Uh, Do you but think here's so? the thing: people have a stereotype <laughs> about what introvert means mm-hmm. and what that yeah, looks for like. Sure. Yeah. And you can be social because you enjoy being around people. It's just there's certain limits on that. Like, well, I enjoy being around you guys. Yeah, but mm-hmm. if you had to be around other people that. I don't know. You didn't. I don't really, really care do that. <laughs> That's exactly. why I'm kind of an introvert in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm around the people from yeah. the academy and uh, yeah, yeah. some friends outside of it, but if they don't really train, it's hard because they have different mindsets. And so, mm. you know, I'm always mountain biking or snowboarding or doing right. things like That's, that. That tends to be my thing. It's like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know I mean, I, I always want to be doing things, yeah. you know, rather than just like hanging out. Mm-hmm. Which I, I can like that too, sure. you know. Um, I do like to talk, you know. Right. 
and you know and hang with people but yeah I, I'm, that's why I don't see people because I'm always like I don't know if I, I, I want to be doing something yeah. so again that is the training here is good for that yeah because I get to, I get a little bit of a hang right. and we have something to do and then uh, it kind of fills me up a little bit and it's know? like mm. it's got a similar mindset to it because you know after classes we'll sit around and have a big smoke session right yeah. mm. and we're all hanging out and that's kick ass for me mm. and you know, you got some very different people. You got yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Some fucking super liberal vegans. <laughs> you know, you got yeah. fucking you know me where I'm at on mm. you know the slightly right of the moderate you know scale. <laughs> Sometimes I can get a little bit more. Um, yeah. You got Anna's position, which I'm not sure what Anna's mysterious. Position. Mysterious. Sometimes she just looks and doesn't say anything. And you know I'm an observer. And there's a, all these different like opinions and positions, but what there is is an anchor point. Because again, everything can can come back to a purpose of getting better at martial arts or doing martial arts or having that as a common, you know, bond or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you guys have experienced depression yeah. before, have have you experienced it on the same level since you've been training? Because you guys train frequently. It's not like you guys are just training mm-hmm. once in a while. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I've told you before how much I just noticed physical things in general was one of the main factors that helped me out. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had depression seriously since I can remember, like, you know, even elementary school, I feel like I always just had, uh, a melancholic kind of view on things, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so what do you mean by, by like, that? I, I was always, you know, um, a loner mm-hmm. and I liked being alone, mm-hmm. you know, I really liked that. Um, I guess, um, I never felt like I fit in, even from a young age. You know, you know what I think uh-huh. of, like uh-huh. when I'm just visualizing that sure. <laughs> that one song that's like, you know, all I can say, you know, like. Uh, uh. I don't know. Oh, oh the um, yeah, I don't know which one. Yeah, no, I thought I did. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, one of the. It's like from the '90s, I think, but it was like a depression song. Uh huh. Right. But that, <laughs> that's what I. I guess there was a lot of those in the '90s. Yeah. Nirvana. Right. Now, this is one of those kind of like mm. lamer groups that was like the whole thing was, uh, I guess Nirvana was kind of depression too, but David Grohl's badass. I mean, well, they are badass. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's anything. So like we could get caught on definitions yeah. and things like that. I also like, so for instance, there's this really famous alchemical print and it's like an angel and it's holding uh, the compass and the and the square, which is like a ancient like Masonic symbol, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the square yeah. and the compass, you know, God sometimes shown holding the compass or as a compass and mm-hmm. a G in the middle. Um, and so it's like the, these like really the main symbols, right? And it has an angel there and the title of the piece is Melancholy. Mm-hmm. So it's saying, I think, that there's something in that perspective and that feeling of melancholy that's like a spiritual uh, um, perspective, mm-hmm. right? There's something in there. It's not just like feeling sorry for yourself or like 
being, you know, fucking Debbie Downer and mm-hmm. some bullshit like that. I do think that's what Jordan Peterson has. Uh, he has that perspective. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's it's it can seem dark mm-hmm. and it can seem like, you know, you're always trying to be like, yeah, I agree with that. But then the fun of it and, mm-hmm. and bringing in that light side of things, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. But I just think my perspective was a little more on that darker Jordan Peterson does uh, go dark. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, and my mind goes there as well. Mm-hmm. And my what does he call it like the monsters and the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's the unknown. So mm-hmm. it's the the shadow, the blackness, the yeah, and monsters lurk there, and uh, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so I, I do think there's like a positive aspect to it. I think in some ways my depression is like a gift. I've said that before um, because. It made me, I was, you know, like, for instance, I think about some, like, teaching kids music mm-hmm. and how hard it is to get them to practice, you mm-hmm. know. It's like just pulling teeth, you know, um, and to, to inspire them to find the beauty of it, mm-hmm. you know, and what's cool about it and what makes them cool that they can do it and that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and But when I was a kid, it was like because I w- was having such a hard time that I found these things that were, like, saving me. So right. it was like art and music was like what I had, you know. I would go to school and it would be this just like really horrible experience. Like, I mean, I don't want to put it like that. It would be hard. Mm-hmm. It would be a hard experience just being around the people and all that, you know. And and I could go home and I had something. So it was it was a motivating thing for me, you know. And, and it brought me to martial arts eventually, you know. So as far as your question, the physicality part. So... I just had this thing my whole life. And then high school, that shit hit fucking hard, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I mean, for some, for some reason I'd like, if there was any drug that I really got into it was psychedelics yeah. and I did a lot and I had bad trips and I ended up in hospitals and locked up. In did you continue or, like doing art when you were yeah. locked up and I, in hospitals? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so yeah, I wonder, yeah. I wonder yeah. then if, we could classify that as depression. I wonder, because if you have an anchor, if you have a purpose, so maybe you're melancholy, you, mm-hmm. you know, but, but depression... I was, right, but I was self-destructive, uh-huh. and I would think that would... would, would if, what about the crazy partier who takes mm. risks as a kid is he, yeah, and yeah. he's self-destructive right. or the daredevil yeah. who hits well, the biggest okay. jumps that they can well, hit. Well, so now we could make the argument or you're making the argument that depression doesn't exist. No, I'm not or, making well, that well, argument. Okay, that, uh, that, <laughs> that um, okay, go ahead and finish your point then. Like I, I thought. Well, I, so I guess what I'm saying is maybe those are necessary phases, experiences for you to have to experience your purpose, right? And your mm-hmm. purpose is art. So, I mean, you're a freaking awesome artist. So without those experiences, would you be an awesome artist? Right. And so to me, when, when you say my argument is if depression doesn't exist, I believe it exists and I believe it exists on a mass scale. I guess I was saying it was like a definitions thing, but go mm-hmm. on and finish. Yeah, yeah. But that's because people don't have a purpose. And if you have mm-hmm. a purpose, then the good and the bad parts are an important part of that purpose. So, yes, yes. So life is both light and dark. Mm-hmm. And you can succumb to the dark without an aim, without, uh, what? yeah, you're calling it a purpose. Right. Which has a similar definition. That's interesting, yeah. Um, and then that's what I'm saying with framing. So when you, like, frame your life... Um, 
it's a uh, we need that aim that that we we need to be able to make um, to understand what's happening to us. You know, things mean things to us. You know, like like an event, something happening, it has meaning. We and then that meaning um, we guides our our actions. You know, it tells us what to do. And so we need that goal to be, to even you know to deal with the darkness and the pain of it. You know. Um, then it is just a natural it's like the chemistry of being alive is mm-hmm. you just ha- you have that struggle and and then all those dark aspects of like having people die in your life and the loss and all that shit which is the real like darkness of it is is death that's mm-hmm. like the darkest thing you know and it's like that thing that's always on the edge we always, we don't want to think about it and uh but so that aim that purpose um and, and that is on one of my main things about like the practices I use. Um, and that's interesting you say that it was just there naturally. I, I guess I had never, I mean, I, I just I hadn't put it that way. But I it's, do feel it that. perspective, right? Yeah. Because then you look at it and it's like, that mm. shit wasn't so bad, mm-hmm. right? That That was all for a purpose. It was all yeah. Yeah. the ingredients. You yeah. need to have the ingredients. And again, man, sometimes, you know, you you've got kind of shitty ingredients and you still got to come up with something you know mm-hmm. good yeah. um and again that becomes perspective because what i see in that in relation to my martial arts training is that for instance i've got a few friends who um are instructors higher ranks um whatever and a couple of them are like really struggle with depression hmm. but they're really good right hmm. i'm not that good i'm not nearly as good but hmm. what i am is i'm pretty good at all the martial arts that i do and i always see a way to combine them and you know interchange them into multiple elements of my life versus just martial arts a lot of these guys or a few of these guys that I know that are really good on the mats are really bad in life, right? They're depressed all yeah, the time. They're yeah. angry. Mm-hmm. They fuck their students up. They do things of that nature. And I don't think that that's, again, a value of good or bad. I think that sometimes there's a cost associated so. with getting really good at something. I think so. And I wonder, for that's me, so I yeah. often question that. It's like, yeah. man, I'm just... I don't know if I'll ever be the best at something, you know? I struggle with that, too. Mm-hmm. You're, the way you're saying that is reminding me of that Robert Johnson story. Uh, he's like a blues guy back in the day. There was even like a movie about it, okay. which is pretty good, Crossroads you, like, with oh, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. the Karate Kid guy. Yeah, that was, that was a good <laughs> movie. It's kind of using that idea, uh-huh. but the idea was the real story was Robert Johnson, and then it was just like an old school blues story. Uh-huh. Um, went to the crossroads and met the devil there mm-hmm. and signs a contract that says, you'll be the best guitar player in the world, but I get your soul or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the old Mistopheles, Mephistopheles story. Mm-hmm. So are you yeah. saying that they're mm-hmm. just so good that now that they don't enjoy life? like mm-hmm. A lot uh, of times. Would that, wouldn't you still have to adopt the jujitsu mindset or the martial art mindset? Well, so if you're see, applying that, but therein, would you feel that way? See, therein lies having tunnel vision, right? And stepping back and seeing things from 
different positions. And somebody who's just sick at jujitsu yeah. is so far down a rabbit hole exactly. that I it's think, so specific. Yeah. Again, it's that, that the mountain idea. Mm-hmm. It's like the higher you go, the more general it is, mm-hmm. right? And so you can be a generalist. But then if you're just like down here in this tiny little area, you can be amazing at that one thing. Right. And yeah, and there's something about life that is like that. Like there's just not enough time to be good at a lot. Of, that's one perspective. And sometimes I struggle with this whole idea of of the one thing, being good at one thing or being more of a generalist. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with that. Like I, I recently learned that quote. I'm, I'm not going to remember the whole thing, but the thing is uh, um, a master of what is it? A master of none. You know that one? Yeah. Uh, um, jack of all uh, trades jack of all trades is a master of none right mm-hmm. and that's like the quote that most people know mm-hmm. right and i guess there's this whole history to it it used to be like a jack of all trades was actually like a a, a compliment mm-hmm. and then at some point it became a master of none and then that like you know and then this the, another part was put on that i'm probably not gonna remember jack of all trades is a master of none but a master of many is better than one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so again, it said that the generalist was actually yeah. somehow higher or better than the, sure. the specifist or whatever. I don't know. And again, yeah. we've got to define that because yeah. I don't know that I'll ever experience that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know what that will feel like, but again, that's where I go back to. And I say, I don't remember a, standout bad day in mm. my adult life. But, but that doesn't mean, because I'm like that too. Mm-hmm. So I'm more of a generalist mm-hmm. and I like learning the philosophy of art and music, you know what I mean, and using that in my life. And I learn from it like that. And I'm not as good as people I know. I'm mm-hmm. close, you know. Right. Um, it's funny how there's levels, right? Oh, levels of levels, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so... Um, but I still get depressed. You know what I mean? And I still have that as a thing. But I, I do use the things I've learned from music. But you're really to... good at the things that you do. I mean, right. again, right. I don't know that mm-hmm. you're the best because some of those things that you're involved in, they're just not mm-hmm. my areas to understand that level. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I understand them enough to know that you're better than most. And that's what I was saying about jiu-jitsu you know i recognized that in you real quick and i recognize that in you real quick because you guys are both really good from what the initial perception was right mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. initial perception you know introvert well introverts do really good at jiu-jitsu but you're good you at think so? yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but you're good at kickboxing i mean mm-hmm. you, you know the thing that i wondered was with both of you mm-hmm. right well what happens when you take a hit are they going to mm-hmm. crawl into the shell? Right. And hitting you doesn't really phase you. It's like you're calm enough on the return that I know that you want to hit me back. And you're thinking about hitting me back and you're working your way into hitting me back. Um, but I know you're going to hit me back, right? I know that that hmm. is in there. And that's the same with you, right? You know, same thing. It's now to a point where I know that you're gonna try to get that back, that that return is coming. You know, with me, you guys know it, you crack me with something good and you're just gonna see it. I'm gonna tell you, I'm fucking coming for you, right? Um, Even though we do it from a different perspective, we still have the same goal, 
right? And so when you look at things from multiple angles instead of one, you have more options to navigate those, yeah. those variables, right? Yeah. Those ways that you can mm-hmm. achieve something. Yeah. And so it comes I to think, your perspectives. I think, you know, you like to say the you've learned the one, you learn the 10,000. Yeah, to know the one is to know the 10,000. Yeah. To know the 10,000 is, is to know the one. So what if it's like this too, though? What if it's like take martial arts mm-hmm. and you could be a generalist and you could, you know, be good at like the whole game. Let's just say the MMA game, mm-hmm. right? You could be good at all those things. And then you could get a little more. Yeah, and, and there's 10,000 things in that one thing of MMA, obviously. Right. But then you could be uh, that person that's just great at jujitsu, right? And so all of a sudden you've you've gained into a new specific. But now that thing has ten thousand things mm-hmm. as well to learn from. It's a one and a ten thousand, right? And then you could be a leg lock guy, right? You're right. And now leg locks are ten thousand things in one thing, right? You know what I mean? And it just like keeps on going, right? So you could still learn the same lessons from being a specific person as a generalist. You know what I mean? But like, it's perception. It comes back mm-hmm. to perception because, yeah. again, you you get so focused, right, that you miss all the other opportunities. Mm-hmm. But it's the process that's what that's that's right important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, learning the process of being a leg lock specialist is yeah. still the process that a martial arts generalist is going to learn. Right? They're just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the that yeah. specific right. you know like the, that process but on that specific subject matter yeah right yeah i think absolutely if your perception is understanding that the process is what's important mm. over the the style or the methods that you're training you, you know right. you're a leg lock right. guy and so you go super deep down this leg lock mm-hmm. rabbit hole well, okay, the process by which you get good at that is the same process. Yeah, learning to learn, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then it comes back to perspective. Did you waste all that time? Like, I've literally had friends who trained. Um, I, so I had this friend, and he was a colleague for a long time, um, training in martial arts. And he eventually went over to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Um, didn't do any mixed martial arts, not really any kickboxing or anything like that. So he, but he was in, you know, studying Japanese jiu-jitsu for quite some time. And I ran into him, you know, several years later, you know, I'd lost contact with him. And apparently he, you know, got really hard into drinking and, you know, mm-hmm. got divorced from his wife, almost lost everything, right? Yeah. Almost. He, he was able to salvage it. But when I was talking with him, what he was saying was that he wasted all of that time training because mm. it wasn't, you know, real compared to okay. his own jujitsu. Right. And so, you know, I'm mm. a lot of people went through this. that back then, yeah. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> because Absolutely. Because like you do karate for a long, and you're like, oh, I'm, I can, I'm the shit. Right. And then, then you, you get smoked. <laughs> a lot but, of people went through that back the then. But here's the thing, though, right? Yeah. He's only looking at it from the physical fight position. But he was right. his life fell apart for five years. It's like the lessons that you learned doing that would have helped you fight that part. But mm. you didn't equate mm. 
that fight. You only looked mm-hmm. at the fight as being the physical fight. If I get into a physical altercation, right. is Brazilian jiu-jitsu superior to Japanese jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Yes, hands down in most cases. And it's not because of the techniques. It's the methods in which they train. Yeah. Right? And so to say then that you wasted all of that time, though, mm. it's like there was so many lessons that you learn in traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu that mm. you don't learn in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Okay. Because most people that I know who do Brazilian jiu-jitsu only look at it on the mat. Yeah. I have a friend who's, I think he's a second or third now, um, and you know he's a, he's a big dude, so he's a killer on the mats. He's good, but he's also kind of a fat motherfucker, right? Um, for jujitsu, right? I mean, it's like, I think, hey, you need to be in shape a little bit. No offense to anybody. Right. I'm just saying yeah, he's yeah, a big dude. Right. Um, so he can apply some pressure and smoke you. Mm, yeah. But this guy, a few years ago, gets into a, there's a blizzard out, and he wipes off on the side of the road, um, and he's stuck there. Right. Well, he's wearing flip flops, so he's got to be rescued. Right. So his mindset of jujitsu is only on the mat. Mm. Not prepared. Not prepared <laughs> for life. What about the fight outside? What if you got to run? What right. if you get stuck in a snowstorm and you got flip flops on? No. I mean, I make a joke about that a lot. Mm. You you know, I talk shit to people who wear stuff like that into the gym because. It's like, look, you're trying to practice dealing with the fight. You you wouldn't, in any kind of real situation, you know, if you were going to deal with a fight, that's why soldiers, for instance, don't wear flip-flops. <laughs> so there's things with flip-flops, really. They, they are super bad on your your mechanics right so, they, yeah. yes they, it's been proven uh, you know? i wonder about it sometimes like if, it, if it'd be better just have some flat to walk on rather than having a shoe but but here's the problem with flip-flops <laughs> all curved, is it, I mean? it's uh, loose and soupy right so yeah. then your foot doesn't have that's true anything to grip on it'd be yeah. better barefoot i don't like my, i have some and i drag yeah well, you, that's so why they're I, called so flip like, So then I like push yes. my toes down the whole time, yeah. so I'm not like a noisy so walker. It <laughs> changes <laughs> the structure, yeah. right? But then you can't run, you can't fight, yeah. you can't. I, I mean, again, what if you get into a wreck? You know, there's glass everywhere. What if it, there? There's so many things that can happen that I guess I understand the general population not thinking about those things. But not somebody who's an experienced martial artist. Okay. So then what happens is they get so tunneled on what the actual, in their mind, fight is yeah. that they miss that the whole world's going to be a fight. And so then you go down these depression rabbit holes and you know things of that nature because you don't recognize that, oh, man, that's part of the fight that you're training for. It's not mm-hmm. just on the mat. Yeah. And again, that becomes perspective and how you see you know things and that's why I go back to saying I've never, like, when bad shit has happened to me, it's mm. like, man, this mm. is pretty freaking cool because now I get to figure out how I can navigate that. And yeah. I've had some pretty, like, tough things, you know, very <laughs> mild compared to some people, but pretty challenging compared to others. And um, when you change that perspective, when it becomes you know, a challenge for you to figure out and navigate. And if you've trained yourself to enjoy 
figuring out and navigating problems, then all of a sudden it's just like flavor. You know what I'm saying? You, you can go from having a mundane, just normal existence, right? Mm -hmm. Where things are so routine that you almost become numb. We need to have these highs and lows. And the problem I think with people, and I think this is huge with depression, is that we've got this insidious, slow burn of safety. For mm -hmm. most people, mm -hmm. there's not really things that yeah. are that's pushing them a, yeah, yeah. super a, highs. And, yeah, there's a lot of things that our life right now has like taken away from our natural state, right? that we drive in cars and sit in chairs. Mm -hmm. So we're like sitting all the time, not moving. Right. Um, that we're always like have comfortable temper con temperature control everywhere we go. Except here, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. um, and all these things that cause some mental problems, right? Maybe, I mean, you know, you don't need to list them all, but the social media, the working in an office, what the fuck is up with that? Like back in the day, dudes were out hunting all day like you know what i mean and yeah, then depending physical threats there's... yeah 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 and depend yeah it was like a different life it's mm -hmm. a completely different life than a computer and typing and and working something that you know is bullshit and having to show up at this place like those things would naturally cause depression not only because they're probably just not good things they're not limbically resonant mm -hmm. with humans like we hate that shit. Sure. Um, and so they, it causes depression. And that's the slow burn, though. It's mm. it's continuous. It's insidious. Mm. Whereas back in the day, maybe you're going hunting, or maybe you're a logger, or maybe you're doing something that's, that's physically right. manually, that's right. you know, hard. Hard. But you're not going to have like this constant stress of death. You're going to have mm. these intense moments. Yeah. But when you're on the computer, right? right what are it's what's like, that insidious like a, thing? You post, you make your posting. Uh, are they gonna like it? Right. They're not gonna like it. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you're in this. Constant, I was gonna say it's like the light. The sounds like this constant. The buzz. You know? yeah. <laughs> Can you hear that buzz? <laughs> you know, in the uh, in the in um, Dark Knight Rises. You've seen that with the Joker, right? With uh, Heath or whoever. Yeah. Um, uh, whenever the jo the Joker's theme, you know how like in movies, like everybody has a theme music yeah. or whatever. The Joker's theme is just a tone that like slowly rises. It goes, I didn't even pay attention. Yeah. like the whole time. Yeah. So a long scene, the whole time it's rising and it just like makes you so tense. Yeah. Right. Because it's this like this thing like building and right. it's just this constant slow build that you barely notice. But you know what I mean? I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. So, so that's that's what I think of when I think of that feeling you're saying of that slow burn. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it is that, like you're saying, that uh, um, not having the danger and the, the hardness of it. Right. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. That was an, the, another thing I put on my practices that I think helps is being outside and in nature. Right. And, and so, again, the way we used to live, we had that all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you were a logger and things like that, most jobs or a lot of jobs are outside. Um, and, uh, and there's something about like being, like, I think being in a house and on a computer puts you in your head. Mm -hmm. I feel that way. Cause yeah. I, I I do a lot of my work at my desk and I got my computer there and I just get sucked into that fucking thing. Yeah. And then the art, you know, is, is airy. I go up, you know, um, and, uh, being outside just like the wind blowing and things like that just kind of puts you down in your body a little more you hear you feel the wind too you hear it you're you a little 
It does. The sunlight, yeah. Uh, the quiet, you know, especially if you're out of the city. So that's another thing I put on those, on the practices that help me, you know. It's like you're losing a sense of reality mm. the more you get <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get depressed. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get stuck in a certain, like, reality. Like, maybe, you know, again, it's like framing and perspectives. It's like, how, and, and there's feelings and ways of being and modes and stuff that, that, that we do. And some are good. Like, some, like, I don't see something wrong, again, with, like, sadness or melancholy necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it's like not getting stuck in them, you know, um, yeah. You know, I, do you know what you were talking about the other day huh. that I think is important that goes to what you were saying is that um, you don't see anything wrong with being sad or melancholy, okay. right? Yeah. And so this is my position on that. And, and yeah, you had yeah. said this, and I, I've been thinking about it. Um, first, I think sad and melancholy on its own, I think there's everything wrong with that. Okay. But you can have two <laughs> different opinions yeah. on the same thing at one time. Yeah, so yeah. Uh-huh. then I think sad melancholy mm. is good when you can also look at it as good. When you can have those two th- conflicting thoughts. It's, it's good that, when you can see the bad thing as good. Correct. But you know what I'm saying? When you can have two conflicting thoughts on the same subject yeah, and know that both are right and both are wrong. Mm. If, mm-hmm. if you can accept thinking like that mm-hmm. at times again just um crazy stuff happens right mm. there's bad things that go along with it yeah but there's also good things that go along with it and i think sure. we we feel we have to make a choice all the time <clears throat> on yeah. giving it the value of good or bad yeah. and not accepting that yeah. it's both that, yeah, that's the whole theory of yin yang, right? Yes, the whole right. you know duality, yeah. and we talk about that. Unity of opposites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I think the yeah. problem is some people have a hard time figuring that out. They don't right. know how to change their perspective. Simply put, because I know it's way more than just changing your perspective. I think, um, but also, I did have a question about something you guys were saying earlier, um, and I think it's when we were talking about your art mm. and how that was an anchor. So when you talk about it as an anchor, would you say that is, you know, would that be more an outlet or would that be a purpose? Because mm. that is also a, you know, different mm-hmm. perspective on it. Some people might see it just as an outlet. And mm. so it goes for mm. uh, martial arts. Those who practice martial arts, they see it as an outlet and not as a purpose. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that matters a lot. If somebody doesn't know how to view it or doesn't realize they're doing that, or maybe they just want it as an outlet, it won't be the purpose. I don't know if that makes any sense. It makes absolute sense. And I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. Can you accept that it's both? Here's the thing. If, and this is what I think people get caught up in, is that if they make a choice like that, now they're, compelled to either continue that choice or quit right and so catastrophic (laughs) you know so if you look at it as it's only an outlet well why can't you make it your purpose for a while until the next purpose comes into play and if we practice the process of getting better at purposes right yeah then what do we do we we start to find our purpose we're going to be lucky 
mm-hmm. in the right way so you're saying to find those things. Or like different kinds of purpose or assign purpose to different things and then you'll figure out and this. and outlets. Mm. For me, martial arts is my purpose. Mm. But when I'm pissed, martial arts is my outlet. I come in, I'm not doing martial arts when I'm fucking just railing the bag and I'm doing maybe 10 three-minute rounds, no rest in between, you know, maybe some, some core work or, or pushing weights. Hmm. It's not my purpose hmm. anymore in the regards of the immediate is the outlet. Hmm. I want to get so it it's out. Being yeah. malleable it's being malleable. And that's what I'm saying. Can hmm. you be okay with having both of those thoughts hmm. at once? Because the instructor in me would say, that's incorrect. Be, yeah. use it for your purpose. Hmm. Yeah. So it's so, both. So I, I, yeah, I see it as the purpose sits higher on the mountain mm-hmm. and the outlets are all this more specific things that you do in your life that are lower down to the ground. So the, the purpose encapsulates all those things, you know, so I would like to learn how to live artfully. And I do think martial arts gives me a chance to do that, like in my body. You know, there's mm-hmm. moments, you know, that, and, and it's, to me, it is the same thing. You know, so is like how I think, I, I, I think there's, I find, I want, so my overarching purpose, my outlets are art and martial arts and music and, and that means guitar and drums and acoustic and, mm-hmm. you know, it has a lot of specifics in that one. Um, but in all of them, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to I don't know, find happiness is the right thing or find wholeness or I have this aim. You know, I think we do all have like this natural thing that aims at something higher. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's this just like instinct, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's the purpose, right? And, and, and maybe like for like the highest purpose is, is unimaginable. And that's why it's like a God or a light or something. And, and the further down we get specifics and your martial arts one's awfully high because it encapsulates a lot of other things, but there are things higher than that. Right. Right. And so then yeah. the martial arts might be, even though it's the purpose, mm. it's on the scale, just another outlet to That's get right. to the purpose. That's right. The yeah. true purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's man. And that's mm. why, again, you don't plateau mm. when you look at things like that, then there's no ceiling. Because yeah, but then there's still perspective on that. Uh, so you said this earlier, too. Basically, you like the challenge. For some people, they see the challenge as an overwhelming sea of options or things that could go good, bad, um, bad or well. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> English. Um, and then you have people who see the challenge as, wow, there's all of these options. Which one do I want to pick? So... You know, as far as like what outlets you take? Just, uh, well, he was saying, pardon, what were you saying? You just said something right before I interrupted you. Mm. Mm. Whoops. It's the weed. It's the weed. <laughs> yeah. You're well, talking about options. Yeah, you're talking about options and you're saying how, let's say there's five options, right? So we'll keep it a number that at least isn't overwhelming but to somebody you're saying five options might be overwhelming mm-hmm. right and that they can't handle dealing with five options and then you're saying another perspective on that is that person looks at 
five options and they're like, all right, this is going to be cool because each one of these options is going to be a challenge in a different so way. So what do you guys mean by options? You mean like photography and martial arts are options? Sure, or, or options to... Any, to any degree for in any aspect. Jobs, maybe of, coming out of college mm, and okay. like now i got to get a right, job. And, right, right, right. Um, okay. They could be just overwhelming situations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So here's what I say about people who experience that. And this is why I asked you a question about has this kind of thing helped and, you know, extending you that same question here, but we've kind of talked over you. So we'll get to that, (laughs) to your perspective, but do fucking martial arts. Literally it's the best thing. I cannot think of any other thing. And I snowboard and I mountain bike and I backpack and I do all of these other things. I've kayaked, um, you know, rafted rivers there's a difference in all of those things. Those are all fantastic. They're great. To me, though, martial arts gives you just that ability to reflect because, at least in jiu-jitsu, for instance, you're fighting another person. And you can start to look at that as a reflection of yourself. And with that, you can gain and understand the process by which you can make a choice mm-hmm. and it won't become overwhelming, right? And the person then who has a bunch of choices and looks at that as a positive also understands that there's pitfalls behind each choice that they make. And this is kind of going back to, to me because I can just relate things that I experience. But we talk about the value in always being positive and that's what I'm saying as far as um, what has helped me not you know experience depression well recently I've gone through some experiences that were less than the feeling of positive right and so they were ass kickers man legitimately just tough things that help me remember that man you want bumps in the road because now the way that i feel and the way that i've changed my approach on certain things is way higher than i was when everything was just good everything was just good and it starts to become routine you got to have the ups and the downs yeah. and so for a long time you know covid hasn't really affected me negatively right um certainly business wise it has but we've been lucky enough to structure some things where that's not detrimental to us yet. It could be the longer this thing rolls out. So I haven't really had, at least in the past couple years, any kind of real turbulence. This was real turbulence. And what it showed me, and again, this is coming back with a positive attitude, but what it showed me was that it's important to experience those negatives for a while i could take those negatives and keep going down negative or i could look at it and be like who man now feel how good it feels to feel good because for me feeling good was pretty good but it was becoming routine i needed to feel really shitty for a couple to feel like great man i feel like i've been shot up with fucking the feel good you know serum and Again, you know, <laughs> seriously, you got to 
you got to keep experiencing those. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that comes back to yeah. the positive attitude, but I had to have a negative attitude or a negative perspective for a little while to experience that. Yeah. But being positive is such a habit for me hmm. that it's only a little bit of time that I'm in that negative before it flips. And it's like, yeah. ooh, okay. Yeah, so I, I had one recently. I won't, I won't get into the specifics, but just like a fight I had with my girlfriend as far as like this good-bad thing. Right. And, 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 and what it does, because I, I do think this is another aspect of, of dealing with depression, is uh, we had a fight and I was wrong. And I think I learned, I figured that out pretty early on, and I was still pissed off yeah. and being fucking moody. Yeah. I was the moody one. Yeah. And I saw myself doing it. And we had a drive home. We like went out to eat, and it like happened right at the end of dinner. Yeah. And it was over this like specific thing, you know. And uh, we're driving home, and I know it's my fault. I'm just like in my head, just like just fucking fess up and get over it and like you know get past this. Yeah. Uh, it lasts the whole night, even you know. And I just can't bring myself to like confront mm-hmm. uh, the fact of my own, you know, misgivings or whatever. Right. And, and then the thing was, is like the next day I realized the reason was, was because she was like so right about something, uh-huh. you know, and it was something so obvious that I felt like an f- idiot that I didn't notice it. Right. And she said it in a way that like girls kind of talk shit to their dude. Yeah. And, and, uh, and some there's some truth that they can give that is like you know what i mean and so it was like a pretty you know bad experience and i just felt like a bitch too that yeah. i was like acting like a bitch but what i did was the next day it took me two days i i fucking just took care of what i needed to take care yeah. of i just fucking did it and i was like hey you know i already had made up with her but i was like yo i took care of that thing right you know and so Another thing for dealing with depression for me is to take care of shit. Yeah. You know, because when you don't take care of shit, it fucking festers right. and it grows, you know, and it gets harder to deal with, you know, whereas if you just like nip it in the butt when it's small. And then also just, you know, how you, what you were talking about was making me think about just how conflict is how you learn shit. Right. And you like need it always. You need always to have a little bit of conflict and how to have fun with it but look we're just laughing about a serious situation and when you can again it doesn't have to be the next day it doesn't have to be five minutes after the event but when you can have fun with how you are you can see that i need to correct that fucking guy you know you you can look at it from outside the fishbowl that we're in looking out you can look out from the outside in so when you're just talking right now, mm. you can see that Justin doing that. And you can laugh mm. at him for being the fucking right. idiot, right, that he was, right, yeah. and have fun with it. But those yeah. are valuable lessons, for right, sure. because now we can look at it and, and gain from it because it, we turned a negative into a positive. You got the That's shit right. done that you needed to get, yep. but then all of a sudden you can reflect on the events and turn them into a positive and... Mm-hmm. move forward right and, and that's where we go back to i think the company that we're around that's because true. what if the company that we're around was like well fuck dude but chicks shouldn't be doing that anyway because then you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying and they start mm-hmm. to perpetuate 
right, maybe right. the yeah. feeling that you had. And then you're like, mm, mm. Oh, fuck, why mm. did she say that to me like that? It's true. So right? the people you're around has a huge I effect. think it's got a yeah. huge Were you point. saying, why did she say that to me like that? So it doesn't matter whether the content is right or not. It's how the person says it to you? I think it's how you perceive it. You know what I'm saying? I, that's what That's what I think we're talking about. It's like... If I was oh, the yeah. negative guy, I could be saying, you know, that so, she shouldn't talk to you yeah, like you that. Just but like the, negative the, friends, yeah. the funny guys can look at it and be like, ah, you fucking. <laughs> it sucks when they do that, right? It sucks when you yeah. put yourself in that position mm-hmm. and yeah. you act the fool. And right. you know, I have your a great friend call that, you out. I have a great friend though that'll like in a in a funny way call you on your shit. Like he's so good at it, mm-hmm. you know. He'll just like laugh at you, and and it's like, oh man, you're right, you yeah. know. <laughs> I have a great friend for that. Yeah, but yeah. anyway. All right, so talk to us now. <laughs> Come on, this is so. I'll I'll try again. Uh, so then, I was wondering one thing. Do you think that uh, the reason we have such a hard time accepting a shortcoming, or like you know, we are usually in denial. So, like, the instance that you were saying, basically it comes down to either being butthurt that you were wrong and then the image, your reputation. So we have these ideas of ourselves that we cannot make mistakes. We cannot look like fools. We cannot um, mm-hmm. just be wrong. And, and so when something happens, not only does that rise to the top immediately, and so we have an explosion of negative emotions usually when that happens then it also doesn't allow us to play around with the options that we actually do have um mm-hmm. yeah you get taller. so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well so then i'm saying it i think it a lot of it has to do with our desired image of ourselves and how and so that mm. affects how we behave in certain situations and how yeah. Um, yeah ego gets involved right yeah, you know, you know, Jordan says, Jordan Peterson, you know, I've been reading his book and, and he says that, you know, the, the image of ourselves, we like see this like perfected thing. We see what we want to be like. You should have an image of your ideal self. And that does just like you were saying, it does tell you what to do, because mm-hmm. if you want to be that person, then that gives you a path. But it can know? have the good and the bad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can get you stuck. In, in a narrow view of things. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm. Um, yeah. If you don't confront the truth of the matter. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So, has martial arts helped my depression? I haven't experienced mm. depression in about two years. But... Okay. And you've only... And you've been coming here two years. <laughs> I have been <laughs> doing martial arts for two years. I also was taking antidepressants mm. but then I stopped those before I even knew about mm. wanting to do martial arts so have you experienced depression for like a long time or I like you, to I used to like to believe that I experienced it since a young age mm. at least uh, probably end of elementary school beginning okay. of middle school I relate with that <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I didn't realize what it was until later, okay. or yeah. I didn't give it that uh, label. label. Yeah, I did. yeah, you don't even know what until that means. Later. Right, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. I think a lot of things 
played a factor. For me, I, I moved. Like, I changed location. I wasn't living in the same place as I was. I came to Colorado, even though my plan was to go back where I Did came. you move here two years ago, too? Or? Uh, two and a half years ago, yeah. Okay, so there's a lot of changes. There that's another thing. There is a lot of change. That, but yeah, my mm-hmm. whole life, I've always dealt with change. Like, I've gone through different... I, I've gone to multiple schools, lived in multiple places, did a lot of back and forth. So there wasn't a lot of stability. And I think that's also why I was more of an introvert. Um, and that's why you couldn't make any kind of commitment. That's why I couldn't like make getting any a commitment, kind of commitment out of her was like pulling teeth. Huh? I was it's like, like, oh man, well, I, I might even... be here next week. I might be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Not as as drastic, mm. but uh, I think. I had gotten to a point, I was going to go on this trip, to, I went to, on this trip with Nakwisi, uh, Jack, and David. I didn't know David and Jack very well, but my sister was going, so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go, and um, before going there, I decided to stop taking antidepressants. Hmm. Now, I didn't really have a doctor, because I was here, but I still had my pills, <laughs> So I decided, I know that going cold turkey is not the best thing to do um, because that does create a chemical imbalance mm. because you're taking this Yeah, that's what, that was part of that article. It, yeah, was that it even like by the taking of, of the pills, it actually creates the imbalance that it's supposed to right. help. Right, but go on, sorry. So yeah, I just did the, I don't, my, I had capsules. So what I did was I lowered the dose Okay. On my own, mm-hmm. uh, nice, yeah. to like a smaller, you know, dose differential. Differential is that a word? Right. Uh, as you uh, went, like you. I think it's called I titrating, right? Yeah. Like oh, titrating okay. down or okay. titrating up. No, dang, fancy word. Chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so that's what I did, and then I went to Mexico. I probably get to. And um, you know, I put myself. I gave myself that goal. I, I told myself, you know, I don't want to go to Mexico and have to deal with taking pills every day. Okay. I want to enjoy my time there. So I made, I set my, I set a goal for myself that by the time I had to leave for Mexico, I wasn't going to mm. use antidepressants. And so okay. I did. And I went to Mexico, enjoyed, had a good time. And then being around, like, but look at the company, right? Right. Jack and, yeah. and David, I mean... That's pretty good company, you know. <laughs> yes, they're they're is. they're pretty positive, um, you know. And I've known both of those guys since they were kids, you know, like mm. like yeah, fifteen, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they've been they've always been super polite, super nice, mm-hmm. articulate, yeah. good mood kids, yeah. you know. <laughs> so so gonna get the company yeah. becomes real important. Really yeah. important. And then also the environment. I mean, I was in Mexico. It was, it was mm-hmm. summertime in December. Right. <laughs> and and then Jack and David were talking about jiu-jitsu, about this goal right here. <laughs> and so they, they told us, you know, we should, we should check it out. But I think. Oh, okay. So you came in here through them. Yep. Oh, I see. Okay. So you hadn't even done jujitsu yet. I had never done. Okay, that's a pretty cool, uh, like crossing of events. Right, and and so that's what we were talking then about. I kind of got sidetracked, but Mm -hmm. Nakwisi, at the time, right, would have been the one that you would just on the surface have been like, oh well, she'll do well, Mm. but Mm -hmm. that was. uh, But I mean, again, right away though, I'm talking just surface. 
I knew that you were going to be the one that if was going to stick with it and benefit from it, that you were going to um, do that. And not that Nakwisi, you know, she she did great. And, you know, I think she enjoys it. Mm-hmm. But, like, you've taken it to another level. And as good as you've gotten in that short amount of time, understanding, you know, um, some important foundational skill sets, it takes a different level of, you know, attachment to it than, you know, the average person. So that was kind of an interesting just Mm. little thing because, again, we had not battles because, like, (laughs) Lindsay and I had battles, but we had, like, a few sessions where I think that if (laughs) she was more violent, she would have, like, at the time, Uh she would have probably wanted to choke me out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, that's cool, though. So so what happened after stopping? Did you, like, notice? or like? Uh, I actually took notes while I was reducing, like, weaning off of it. And um, mm. just to see, because I was curious to see if there were any patterns. I didn't always do that, although I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't that tough. And I think it's because I did it very slowly. I did, like, I don't know, five milligrams at a time mm. that I lowered. or uh, So I didn't have that chemical imbalance or withdrawal. Right, symptom. you balanced yourself. There, I think there. there was like maybe one day where I had a headache and fe- felt a little fuzzy. And you feel like you haven't, you haven't been depressed since then? I haven't. Then? No, I haven't. That's pretty interesting. That's a long time too because I, I would think there would be a honeymoon yeah, period I w- I where maybe worried. you would feel like so really I good for like a month and then you're in Mexico like hey you know, <laughs> you know I feel great but then you get back home and you know and I was worried I think mm. because uh psychiatrists had told and doctors just yeah. said hey you know don't quit cold turkey you can yeah. get this it's a yeah. higher uh chance of uh, what is it when you go back you get depression all over again right it hits uh, even harder and then you go back yeah and, yeah, and yeah so you, they give you all of this anxiety that if you quit your pills yeah. you so, have that yeah. risk and yeah. so i was worried about that the first year and then i so anytime i would feel a little down i would say oh no is this is mm-hmm. it coming back mm-hmm. and uh but i kept mm-hmm. telling myself no just treat it as mm-hmm. something that it's mm-hmm. its own thing and not the same. Yeah, I was on pills when I was a kid, right? My parents served when, you know, the whole medical system that got a hold of me or whatever. And, <laughs> and I was on a bunch of shit, you know, like I remember. Like SSRIs? I, I, and I think, you know, like lithium mm-hmm. and like, so maybe those things are like um, manic depression or bipolar, like one of those. I think I got diagnosed with. I got like the whole brain scan and like we have to wear glasses yeah. with lights and sounds and At shit. At what age? Uh, fourteen. I'm gonna say. I feel like that's yeah. so. I know. Right. It's I we know. can't attribute uh, it to a fourteen year old with <laughs> know, crazy, right? you know, <laughs> yeah. emotions and right. hormones raging and yeah. just being a dumb kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Antidepressants usually shouldn't be taken by. Yeah, I I would people. definitely agree with that, and I felt that way at the time. I didn't think you shouldn't give it to young people. I felt I didn't want to take it. Mm-hmm. Immediately, like, I was like, "This is bullshit." Su- a higher a suicidal I, there might be. Yeah. risk. I believe that they mm-hmm. say something about that yeah. with uh, people of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might. Have, yeah, and so I yeah uh, like the quick story is just, I, and then I I end up getting like I was in kind of like a 
a rehab program kind of thing, and I was on it there. And then I got sent away for a while, like six, eight months, and there they made me take shit, and I refused it at first. I was like, and then when you refuse shit, you got, you you know, you get like, you know, you got to sit in the room with no fucking furniture in it and shit like that. Um, and Punishment, psychological <laughs> torture. Well, yeah, they have this, like, system that you can climb. What is just to make you follow the thing and torture you into compliance yeah and Basically. yeah yeah so anyway um yeah so and it was immediately when i got home i never wanted to take it oh yeah and so you get a therapist at this place and they took us to a rope course and uh i hated them saying that i was manic or whatever i don't even remember what the labels were i didn't like the labels they mm-hmm. pissed me off and i didn't like the medications and I thought it was bullshit. And so my therapist there thought that I had this problem with just labeling, which maybe I do have that problem as well, honestly. Like, I have a problem saying I am this, right, you know. But at this rope course, he had brought a can of pineapple tidbits, right? Right. And he made me, he's like, this is just a label. It's not the pineapple or something. I don't know where, what he said. but And then he made me say it out loud, really loud, in front of all the kids and shit that I was pineapple tidbits for me to get over being labeled, you know, like, so it's bullshit, right? It's ridiculous. And it was really embarrassing too. <laughs> and so anyway, when I got home, um, I was supposed to stay on them and I just stopped taking them. And, but I kept taking, you know, my parents said we had something where I would, you know, and if yeah. I didn't take them, I got, you know, privileges taken away or some shit. And I stopped taking them for six months. I didn't say anything. And then after six months, I was like, I've been good, right? Things are good. I'm going to school, you know, whatever I had to do. And they're like, yeah, things have been great. And I'm like, I, just, I haven't been taking those for six months. Uh, and then, so that was my way to be like, can we just not do that? You know, and then, so that was the last time I took them. A little level of corruption to help you. Acceptable <laughs> <laughs> <Nice. laughs> corruption. Uh, right. Constructive yeah. corruption. Yeah, so, so I always naturally just had a... Um, an aversion to the idea that I had some imbalance. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't think that sounded right to me. It doesn't sound right yeah. to anybody. You can narrow it down to just mm-hmm. an yeah. imbalance. Yeah. So, and that's what that article showed. And there was some studies and things that, that it was the imbalance theory is what um, is incorrect. And even like spurred by the pharma, uh, pharmacology, pharmaceutical yeah. industry. Um, and the doctors all support it. And then science all thinks that that's true. Right. Everybody, you know, so that's another thing I remember back then being like, this is bullshit. And my mom's just listening to therapists with PhDs and shit. And they're right. like, well, yeah, they're educated. Right. And they're they like, know better. they're like, well, it's just this, it's just this, so this will help, you know? Isn't, and, isn't this though the lazy way of dealing with things? Because yeah. here's the thing when you've got an imbalance, it's not your fault. You don't have to take exactly responsibility. Right. It's not a self responsibility. Ultimately, thing. it exactly always comes right. down to yeah. even if you you know all these things happen to you that weren't your fault, it's still your responsibility. Mm. You know to get yeah. yourself through it. You you totally. can get help from people, mm. and you can have tools, mm. but it's still your responsibility. And when right. we've got these imbalances, yeah. we give up all our responsibility That's right. and all our power and into... And to make any changes right. or anything. Yeah. yeah, it says here, um, uh, while medicalizing mental health softens the stigma of depression, if a, disor- if a disorder is inheritable, it was never your fault. 
Mm -hmm. Right. It's like just your body. You know, I also think it's materialistic, you know, because it's like focusing everything on the mat, the, you know, your body is what causes it or whatever. Um, and then they said it also disempowers the patient because then they can't do anything about it except take a chemical. Right. So it it necessitates its own cure. It's like, oh, you know, it makes, yeah. and it even like, there's a lot of that happening, I think. Yeah, like look they, at that return customer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. When you look at the business yeah, yeah, yeah. So, model, it's Well, it's fantastic. crazy too. I think they like, so they, 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 they discover a drug and they do studies and they say it has this effect. It's a uptake inhibitor or whatever, right. you know. And then, so then because of that effect, that creates the hypothesis Maybe depression or other mental disorders are actually caused by a lack of serotonin. You know, we could just say that because I know it's more complicated than that. Right. Like it's like uptake inhibitor and how they receive. But you could just sure. say their amount of serotonin. Just it's easier to talk that way. Uh, so so they see a, they may, they see a drug that that raises testosterone. So then they postulate the idea that maybe depression is caused by that. And so then uh, they try to treat it with that, which then causes the fact, you know, because then you treat, you give someone a bunch of serotonin and then that makes an imbalance in their brain that then their chemistry changes to try to like get homeostasis or whatever. They try to balance itself out. And then that creates a, a, dis, a, a absence of serotonin. Right. So it's this weird cyclical thing that they're like proving the th their own thing. And then you get a whole system that believes that true, that's true. And then my mom's just an innocent mom trying to like, what, you know, trying to help her kid. They, everybody tells her, oh, yeah, that's just what you do now. You know, they found a cure, you know. And, and then you're right. The fact that it's a pill takes all the responsibility out of it. It's like people that say they want a diet pill. Oh, okay. Why isn't there just a pill that you can take? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then that's the other uh, backwards thing about it. The, the unintuitive thing is, is you say it's a pill and then you think that, oh, that's an easy cure. That actually makes it so you can't cure yourself because now you think the only cure is a pill. And so that means there's nothing I can do. Yeah. It's an imbalance. It's a genetic thing. That's what I just like knew there's something wrong with that. Oh, <clears throat> my brain just wasn't made it's right not your or whatever. Fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're <clears throat> yeah. 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 So I don't know. So it's yeah. a big uh, it's a big, you know, clusterfuck of, of things. Right. And then well, and I then, was taking mm. pills, I saw it as these are basically my training wheels. I just felt I was at such a low point that I wanted a booster of some sort. Mm. And at first, I didn't want to take antidepressants. The first thing, the first time I talked about it with my doctor, he was ready to prescribe antidepressants, mm. which to me is puzzling. Is well, you don't even know much about me, and you're already gonna give me. So like early on, you asked. Yeah, him, the uh, first the time I ever talked about it with my doctor, uh, he was ready to give me medication for it mm. and I said no mm. I don't I don't want to take medication mm. um, I ended up taking medication a few months later and that was a whole other ordeal was that though because it was like pressed upon you that that's the thing to do like to take medication yeah Is was that it why brought I up, ended up doing yeah it? or did you come to a conclusion on your own that said I need the training wheels was it I, I think it was a combination mm -hmm. of the two because Well, I, without the influence, would you have come to that same conclusion? To take medication? Uh, I probably would have wanted to try it, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. see, mm -hmm. just because I'm a curious person, naturally. <laughs> but the re mostly it was because I felt like I couldn't... 
I would sometimes recognize that I needed to change something. I didn't know what it was. And maybe it was just a, a buffer, really. It wasn't really anything else but a buffer. So do you, what helped me decide, okay, I need to start making a change. Do you hmm. think at, at that mind, hmm. at that point in time, right, if there would have been somebody, and I'm just, you know, again, obviously I'm biased towards martial arts, mm -hmm. but if there would have been somebody with a, a similar influence, right, as senior therapist, that would talk about that. Like if you had a martial arts therapist and a drug dealing therapist that we have, right, mm. in today's society, and both of those influences were there on the table, do you think if you went the martial arts route that you would not have, it would not have necessitated trying the pill route? Do you I, think that that would have made you feel good enough where you wouldn't have wondered, will this make me feel better? I think it's a slippery slope mm -hmm. because, like you said, perspective. If I was surrounded by people who were so good at practicing the quote-unquote right perspective, <laughs> Uh, then maybe it would, I probably would have never considered mm -hmm. even talking to a doctor. And, and that wasn't even my therapist. That's something I want to specify. That was a primary, primary care okay. doctor. And With I had no experience and in that. No, mm -hmm. and I hadn't even uh, started therapy. So that was just, hey. So I isn't that crazy? Yeah. They get <laughs> yeah. you on them before mm -hmm. they even send you to mm -hmm. a therapist yeah. or somebody who's a specialist yeah. in right. that, you know. Yeah, and, then, and then, you know, this article is saying things like it even invented, um, you know, things that would be in the, what's it called, that book of disorders, you know, the DSM or whatever. Oh, yeah, but they, doesn't mm. the National Institute of Health disagree mm. with it now? Right, yeah, yeah, there was things, yeah. They're, uh, they're saying that it's not even They They don't use the book anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But so they invented disorders, though, so that they could prescribe them. Mm -hmm. So then all they had to do legally was to be like, oh, this person has this as a doctor. Therefore, you could prescribe them mm -hmm. as long as you just said they had this thing. Right. And it mm -hmm. seems like doctors are so, you know, I'm not going to give them all the bad rap, but it seems like they're heavily incentivized to push medications. I think it's, it might be the the the... The viewpoint, the perspective that they have on what depression is, or and even the bigger thing mm -hmm. about materialism stuff, but you know, well, um, well, I think it's like I think mm -hmm. they legitimately though are pressured that there's mm -hmm. set protocols, mm -hmm. and that if they don't follow those protocols, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. it's going right. to cost them. How much? How much is it that they just want to be able to do something? You know, someone comes in and they have these problems, and they're like, I'm sure, it's a combination you know, mm -hmm. of factors. Yeah, well, I think you look at it societally, though. You know, th this is the thing that I always believe is that we got to take as much responsibility, right? Mm. And it's like doctors are certainly taking, I think, the financially beneficial and the easier way out. But as a person that's going to see a doctor, we're in the information age. Information is at our fingertips we can do something about that you, you know what i'm saying where we're not putting all our faith and all our power in a doctor's hands 
and we're taking ownership, mm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To there you one go. degree so there's or that another other perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much do you take care of yourself? Right, and yeah. the responsibility. How yeah. how much of it do you say it's my responsibility? It's like this is what I tell you guys out in jujitsu all the time. Mm-hmm. If you, if you get hurt, Amanda's heard this a million times. I say mm-hmm. that's your fault. That's your responsibility, and. We don't have anybody crazy here, though. If there was the, mm, the crazy, right, right. you know, person who's snagging fucking heels and diving into heel hooks, right. that's a different story. Everybody here has got a good level of training. And so does it mean that it was her fault that, you know, that happened? No, but if you constantly tell yourself it's my responsibility, then you're not going to be leaving your shit hanging out. It's not going to be hanging out on the side. Yeah. And so she's gotten really good at that of not leaving anything out because in part I impressed that upon her that when something like that would happen getting cracked in the face with a knee or an elbow it's your fault for leaving your face out there all of a sudden people are driving with their heads and you know using their heads to block a shoulder you know keeping their heads out of just the natural line of where that elbow would be traveling, mm. getting up on top mm. of it, as opposed to yeah. right in that line. And again, just those things of taking responsibility, yeah. all of a sudden corrects so mm. many yeah. just... I think it's a thing in life. I almost, I, I've, I've been trying, I've been struggling with like how to say this to my son and, and to Jade too. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you tell them? Because I've told you this idea that I think one good thing about the idea of karma is that it makes all of life your responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're even your situation and the luck we were talking about earlier that made your body and your voice and how you are. Um, that's all your fault. Yeah. So I've been struggling with how to tell a kid that idea that if you can, can, uh, accept your entire life as your responsibility. I guess that's probably a better word than your fault. A kid probably would be like, "Uh, you know, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, and fault has, do you think that fault has more of like a negative connotation? connotation? It does. I think so. But I like it to myself. Mm -hmm. I like saying that to myself. That's your fault. Me too. I I like saying that. So. Because it's like fucking, you know, fix that shit. But is that the only way to find that motivation? Well, this is what we were talking about with the whole pussy comment. Because when I'm mountain biking and I'm sucking wind, you know, it's the first climb that always gets me. I I used to do this. I don't have to do it anymore, but I would be, you fucking pussy. You're going to quit. You quitter. I say that shit to myself all the time. And so I'm like pushing harder. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm not a pussy. There's no way I'm going to put my foot down now. There's no way. It'd be the same thing if we were rolling and I was getting tired and you called me a pussy. Can you imagine how I would feel the day, how I'm going to feel when you call me a pussy? (laughs) Legitimately, that is going to be like... Oh, okay. Now it's fucking on because as tired as I am, as much as I'm hurt, I'm going for it. If we're sparring and you crack me and you fucking call me a pussy, there's no way that, you know, we could be in an hour long death match. And if you call me a pussy, I'm going to find a way. So there is some motivating element to it. (laughs) But it's not the challenge by itself enough. Do you have to beat yourself down to be able to accept the challenge? Well, but okay. So So that's what I was talking about earlier. I like that you do it though, because you do it and you're an optimist. Like sometimes I think I do that to myself and maybe I do it in a different way. I probably do. 
um, I might be a little like even a little mean to myself or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, so I do it, and and someone seeing me do it could be like. Are uh, you being like too hard on yourself? And I'm like, but that makes you know that makes me better. And make, you know, but when you do it, it seems optimistic and a little more healthy or something. That's maybe that's just my. You know I, what I'm saying? I I think the issue and man, you got to understand. I love Jordan Peterson, hmm. but the thing that Jordan Peterson downplays is fun, right? Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. That concept of enjoying, find yeah. something that you enjoy, mm-hmm. and he doesn't necessarily believe in that philosophy, mm-hmm. right? He's like more find something that makes you productive, and I agree with that. Well, yeah, okay, you, you know, okay. uh-huh. but, but you're enjoy, you're at least adding that element. Enjoy the productivity, nice. yeah, yeah, have fun uh-huh. with the productivity. And I do think I that sort of of calling yourself a bitch or whatever. Um, might be a little sharp on myself sometimes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think I could cut through a little like unnecessarily sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But you, it's you necessary. Know? You need mm-hmm. that sharpness because we're becoming pussies. <laughs> Seriously. Right. And so uh, the more we put ourselves in that, it's not like so. An so where it gets unhealthy though, it does get unhealthy though. Like that whole again with Jordan, uh, like to not compare yourself with others to compare yourself with who you were yesterday Mm -hmm. i do compare myself to others and it is unproductive and it's a similar thing i'm like you know fucking look at how you do this thing and then this person does it like that like fucking is it unproductive like i think it really matters how you yes yes perspective and it it matters how i do it though and i'm saying Mm -hmm. that i think i do as sometimes can be unhealthy about it you know what i mean it's not being motivating it's more being uh you know, like a like a too stern, like a father that beats their kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, you're not inspiring them to like. You know, you're kind of like going a little overboard. But that's where you, you know? got to have that's right. more of those yeah. like high and uh, highs and lows. And you got to adjust it. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's you know if you if you have the constant burn on either side, mm-hmm. right? And again, this is what was happening to me. I was just on the upside of it, I guess. If you're going to give it a value, yeah. right? But too good is not good hmm. it's yeah. really bad mm-hmm. it really is bad it's you've always gotta on this edge have, right you're just yeah. always riding some edge, and, and yeah. that's what i'm saying you've got to in a lot of cases have two sides to the same you know issue right you you got to understand that it's good and bad both yeah in both ways you're looking at it, mm-hmm. it yeah. you know so again if it's that constant negative talk to yourself, man, that's horrible. But if you're mountain biking or if we're sparring, I mean, yeah. and I, you fucking crack me and I call you a pussy, mm. I'm not calling you a pussy because I think you're a pussy. I'm. This is re- self-reflection here. I'm like, <laughs> you fucking pussy, man. I'm going to get you. Yeah. Or I crack you and, you know, you fucking back off, bring your hands up, coil. I'm like, ha pussy. Let's mm. do motivate you right that's mm-hmm. you needed to hear that at that moment yeah. because yeah again right what are you gonna say yeah. i know what you mm-hmm. guys are gonna say you know if i called you a pussy out on the mat mm-hmm. you're not obviously your stoic facial expression isn't going to change but <laughs> you know you're going to try to choke me out that round yeah i probably won't say anything i, I know you won't say anything with my voice. Mm-hmm. there's no. there's not a word not even with your facial expressions you just kind of get cold you're almost like a great white shark where you know, it's like someone the I eyes know, just roll in the back of the my, head and it's someone in my family one of my relatives i will not specify who said 
about me that I looked like a marble statue. <laughs> so I think maybe that's my, uh, I don't know. I And I don't even ever intend to. I definitely have the resting bitch face. But <laughs> I don't mean I don't Well, mean see, but... I don't people think you do that. because yeah. you don't have a negative that. look. No, like you got to yeah, really. Yeah. But I've been told. I've been told that I look distant. I look okay. cold. I, I look. Could, okay. Yeah. Uh, I am reserved. Mm-hmm. So I can see the distant and cold. That might be part of just introverted. Kind of an and... ice queen on the mat sometimes. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> there right. there is that. I can see that, but not like when I when I see resting bitch face in my mind, it's like the frowny pouty. <laughs> face yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah that's different I've, you know? I've had variations of yeah. resting, <laughs> resting faces um but what was there was something we were saying about yeah i don't remember what we were talking about mm, lost yeah. that yeah side well Lemon haze and grape god, not sure. Um, <laughs> it's been a lemon skunk. Too. Lemon skunk. Mm. See, I thought it went pretty quick. Two mm. hours was. Yeah, right. It does go by fast. And we didn't yeah. even really get into the article, no, right? We didn't. But that's cool. This could yeah, be yeah. like a, a prelude into something. I, yeah, I don't even know it, if we need it's to. It's so important, though. You know, this mm. is like, I think one of those topics that fits. You know, that's so necessary to talk about because again, it affects the person who feels like they're just on on the good side it affects the person on the bad side and i think it gives you a approach of how you can lead your life every day and again you want to experience the negatives right it doesn't mean you're self-destructive and you go out and you purposely you know do negative shit but a positive negative so to speak is coming into class and getting smoked right or just working out hard and just you know, killing yourself that day. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you experience those and you don't have to experience the negatives then in real life. You got to experience the negatives so you can create an environment of which it's a positive negative or you're going to have to experience the real negatives Mm. and it's going to take, you know, a pretty experienced person, you know, who's practiced a lot to look at that real life negative yeah. as a positive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Most people get caught then in the, the one-sided perspective of it being a negative. Mm-hmm. And so it stays negative, it perpetuates more negativity, and it takes you down that rabbit hole, in my opinion, of depression, right? If you have purpose, you've always got something then a beacon that you can look towards. That's like, right. oh man, mm-hmm. I'm feeling really down i've got a purpose though for mm-hmm. me martial arts anytime that i'm down martial arts going back to the dog man mm-hmm. how can you be down when you got a dog take the dog for a walk mm-hmm. i mean just getting out and walking is great mm-hmm. but now if you got a companion and then people say well my dog pulls great you're getting some exercise you're getting now your brain is really out of the place that you were in of depression because you're having to hold the dog back a little bit. And if you love your dog and you don't beat your dog, then you know what I'm saying? It's a pretty fun experience. Mm -hmm. It's a workout. It's, you know, again, taking you out of one mood. 
And then community, right? Your relationships, um, being around people that are going to inspire you, motivate you in certain ways. And, you know, again, I think we bring or, or I think we give value to the luck that's out there, right? I think there's just luck floating around, opportunity floating around, right? Mm-hmm. And it's how we recognize that and make that attachment. And again, for me, if I was like a, you know, frowny, fucking unhappy dude at the time, I don't think Erin would have ever talked to me because she came into the martial arts academy to see about classes. And she was just, interestingly enough, I had met her dad before I met her. Um, and I was really good friends growing up with her um, brother-in-law, right? I knew his mom really well who, you know, was married to her dad or, or was dating her dad. So it was kind of this weird thing of how I actually met her. But it was being positive that you know, attracted us to one another because I'm an ugly motherfucker. So it wasn't looks, right? Maybe status, but, you know, it was a connection. And so um, we've got to be in a position if we want to, I think, not experience depression on these really serious levels. We've got to be in a position to recognize the things that are positive in our lives and gravitate more in that direction in, you know, in lieu of recognizing those things that are negative, you know, let's say alcohol and, you know, man, you know, you're drinking and you know, you feel like shit and you know this, but you keep going down that rabbit hole and all of a sudden you need it and you can't be without it. Right. That's a whole. Sometimes it really feels like a pleasure. Like you prefer that Mm -hmm. over. Oh yeah. Well, and I think most people. The comfort of. Of feeling bad. You know, I think most people feel bad. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. And we're in Colorado. We're in the number one lifestyle state in the country. We're in, I think we're number two or number three always as the most fit state in the country. Um, Economy's good, sunshine. You know, we've got tons Mm -hmm. of things to do. So we've got it really good here. We're in a very unique place. But man, when you go out, outside Mm -hmm. of here, man, you see some dark shit. You see people that are just miserable and that don't have any of those necessarily you know those those outlets and Mm -hmm. it's it's prevalent so you know changing that perspective um so how do you do that though how do you change a perspective how do you find that's what i'm saying my so my solution I, i can't empathize with people who have depression but people who have depression can't necessarily empathize with somebody who's never experienced depression. So there's things that I don't do that I see people who have depression do. I stay away from those things. Mm -hmm. So there's things that I do that maybe people who have depression start doing and it'll keep them away from those things that drag them deeper into the depression hole. Um, I'm not saying my ways are right, I'm just saying my ways have worked because I don't think I'm anything special that I was given this special non-depression, you know, like uh, re- resistance. And, right. And minds, yeah. So it, it's like, 
I, I look at myself sometimes and I'm like, Jesus, I don't even understand how you're alive this long. You, you know, so I'm not like lucky or fortunate or of any higher, you know, athletic ability or anything like that. I never had the natural athletic coordination gift. I wasn't klutzy. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe upper middle of the road. And, um, you, you know, so there's nothing special that has happened to me besides those three components. I'm sure there's other factors, but those are the things that thinking about it and saying, you know, well, this leads to this and this leads to this, that those would be the three categories mm-hmm. that, you know, I would that, pick. That you pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I made a list. I can go off them real quick. I was thinking about it earlier today. Um, I put like physicality in all forms. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, martial arts. I started with yoga. That's really what got me understanding that the physicality can get me out of depression mm-hmm. was doing yoga. Went to India, just happened to find a yoga teacher. And it was like, wow, I, I felt so good every morning. Mm-hmm. I would do yoga for two hours a day. Um, that included like a meditation. And I would do that first thing in the morning, wake up at five o'clock mm-hmm. in India. And I would do that for two hours. And then I'd go for a walk after that. And I felt like I was on a fucking cloud. Mm-hmm. It gave it you felt, a also. Yeah, it did. And it was, I was amazed by how good I felt. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what showed me that. I played basketball when I was younger. And maybe I just forgot that that felt good. You know what I mean? And then as I got older, I just like forgot that that was like a thing. I never did that for that, mm-hmm. you know, consciously. But maybe I was in the past. So... Anyway, I put all those, like, the physicality things. And then I was thinking also, like, fasting, you know, asceticisms, you know what I mean? Like, doing, you know, things that hurt and things that are hard and going without and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then diet, right? I thought this was interesting about diet, that it it kind of follows a similar hypothesis to the chemical imbalance Mm -hmm. idea. It's saying that something you, you ingest will change your mind. Yeah. Right? Um, and body, right? Because it's a you know a, a interdependent system. Um, so, but I, with the way I think of it as is like the difference is like with science they like make this like specific thing like serotonin or mm-hmm. you know it would be like saying oh you should eat 156 milligrams of of nitrogen in greens mm-hmm. and then this much protein. You know what I mean, it's yeah. like whereas the philosophy is a little more just like naturalistic or something like just eat meat and vegetables and you'll probably right. be okay. That kind of a thing. Right. Um, so then I was thinking, um, yeah, being outside, all the spiritual practices, mm-hmm. I think should be included. Uh, meditation, yeah. prayer, even yeah. though I don't have like a, a good relationship with uh-huh. that. I think that's on there. Ceremonial participation. Right. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I think mm-hmm. just like as a tie-in, mm. when I'm talking about purpose, mm. that's what this is. This encompasses. Yeah, that's you right. Know, yeah. So like for martial arts, to mm. be Study. as good as you can be, mm. your nutrition has to have mm. the purpose of getting there. Right. So then that's taken care that's of. That's right. So that's why I think for martial spiritual. arts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For you, martial arts is really high on that mountain that right. includes all those other specifics all like diet. Th- and, correct. Yeah. And the higher thing you can get, the better. Mm-hmm. The higher that, that right, structure is. Right, because then everything fits inside. Everything it. has yeah. and it tells you what the to do. purpose mm. of going towards that purpose. That's right. right? It that's all right. flows in that direction. Right. It, it, it gets you to your aim. And that's yeah. what, again 
keeps you, in my opinion, hmm. from being depressed because right. every place think that you about find the word yourself depressed. in. Think about the word depressed, yeah. going down. Right. You know, I, I once heard someone describe the mental thing like symbolically as this idea in Egypt. They had the coffin was actually like seven layers of coffins, mm -hmm. right? And the innermost one was a lead coffin. Okay. And so the idea like depression and that kind of thought is like a lead coffin. It's so low. Yeah. You know what I mean? It goes like into the earth and mm -hmm. sinks because of the, the weight of lead. Right. And, yeah. Isn't um, that how people oftentimes <laughs> describe feelings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like and then so heavy low and, 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 so, and so what's the opposite is is going up. Down. Right. And and having and an aim is up. Mm -hmm. Right. So rising yeah, to, uh, you know, ascent. Uh, that's right. Right? Yeah, I mean that literally yeah. is why it's yeah. ascent. I love Colorado. that word. Mm -hmm. I've thought about like, you know, when we were thinking about podcasting, right. I was like, just something with ascension is a dope yeah. name, you know. So anyway, I was thinking another thing is like study. I would include that as helping depression, mm -hmm. reading, and then I would even, you know, self-help books, yes, but also like sacred books, you know, old school texts. There's something mm -hmm. about old texts that can get you out of the the social media, the politics, mm -hmm. the, you know what I mean? And paper, just. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And maybe history too, uh -huh. to like, you know. Um, and then I have relationships on, on mine too, and, and definitely conversation related to study and relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, where we compare each other's views on the world and, like, figure out what's the best way to go about things. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then I definitely had meaning and purpose as being, like, a huge one. Um, that's one I still struggle with, even though I might know, you know, I might be lucky, too, um, that I just knew what I, things I wanted to do when mm -hmm. I was young. I still have a hard time using them purposefully mm -hmm. you know i like okay i want to do art but what am i making art of and mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. it's like a constant struggle you know i've even been getting back into like i've been reading books on iconography and like eastern orthodox symbolism and mm -hmm. just how they treat images and, and painting and to them it's it's you know that's a weird thing about culture here art is is uh, it has no purpose you know, it's it's almost defined as something you don't need. That like beauty is this thing you don't need or whatever. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But when, the way art was used forever was a tool. It, it had a utility. You know, and and the utility was, for instance, like we're talking about having those high aims. It was like uh, enacting our imagination towards those types of thoughts, because mm -hmm. most imagery was religious or mystical or visionary, whatever you want to, you know, because um, these things probably existed way before religions did. Um, and so it, it its first purpose was to do those things, you know, so that we could see, like maybe Christ, I'm not Christian, but, you know, maybe Christ is an image that shows us what we can be. Mm -hmm. So it's like an aim, at least in part. In part. That's not what the whole thing sure. is or whatever. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, so in that way, I, 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 art is my way of, of reaching towards those kind of goals and maybe understanding those things for myself. Right. So, yeah. So that's, that's most of my ecology of practices, and I dig that term. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Right. You got any uh, <laughs> final closing? There's just so much to talk about, depression and lifestyle and perspectives is so many things 
but I don't know which one. I guess, but <laughs> like you know, how... those those are also like breaking them down, just mm. good things to talk about in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. for me, I'm yes. always trying to tie it back into martial arts. I want to influence as many people into getting involved in martial arts. Um, I think it's the answer to a lot of things. I also think a lot of the things that we're doing on this podcast, smoking weed. I'm a big proponent of adults smoking weed. I don't think kids should um, because you want kids, in my opinion, to be kids. They can do adult things when they become adults. So I don't think it's the worst thing for them, certainly. But um, when we take kids out of the equation, I think you know, uh, marijuana is such a beneficial plant. I don't think it's great for everybody, but I think it goes beyond just getting high. I don't take any kind of, you know, aspirin or ibuprofen or anything like that. And I train every single day. Um, my body feels great. I use different kind of, uh, you know, extract oils and, um, the plant is amazing. So bringing it onto the podcast, and if we get onto YouTube, then I think we got to call it hemp or something. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, yeah. I think yeah. is important. And I think, um, you know, that's going to be my position is always tying things back into martial arts, tying things back into that. And then Ascent Colorado, Ascent 420 being the, um, you know, Ascent 420 being the activity group that we tie into the academy and Ascent Colorado being the jujitsu, you know, um, martial arts facility, you know, um, the idea of what I, you know, call living the Colorado way, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to always try to tie everything Mm -hmm. back into those little self-promotion. Nice. Sweet. Good stuff. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thank you.